folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. This is episode 219 of Channel Massive. You got another Noah and Mark show on your hands here. This is Noah. And this is Mark, and it's yet another duo. We have been planning on putting together a list of co-hosts to invite to make <laughs> Somehow the we shows. always end up playing League of Legends. <laughs> yeah, and we get done with the record. Oh, no, we put everything we have into each episode, so... It's funny, we you know we're not in any kind of a hurry during the episode, but the, like the second we close it out, it's just like mad flurry to start up League of Legends and get going with that, and we always seem to forget to uh, work on our schedule of co-hosts. So once again, it's the two of us, and um, yeah, you know you can cue the appropriate music there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's another duo show, but it's it's an exciting one. There's a lot of news floating around, a lot of stuff going on. It's uh, October 10th in the year 2012, and things are still, uh, as far as I can tell, civilization has not yet declined. Um, we have not yet had a, an apocalyptic event of any sort. But 10-10-2012 10, 10, sounds pretty good. I guess 12-12-2012 sounds really crazy so maybe we'll look to that i don't know i don't know what the official date of the end of the world is but uh, so far so good you'll know when it happens yeah you believe me you will know <laughs> um we have quite a bit of news as i said um i i think we are going to talk about that go through some uh some descriptions and and stories of what we've uh what we've been playing we have no listener feedback tonight. I don't know what's going on with the quiet people out there. Um, we'll talk about some general geekery, and then we have a roundtable topic worthy of discussion for once. And uh, I don't know. It seems like in the last few weeks we just haven't found anything that just stood out, I, at least to me, as something you know worth discussing. But it looks like there might be something we could we could talk about. Yeah. And uh, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up for tonight. Cool. Well, nice doing the show with you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> and it's been good as usual. Mark, First it's off. been our, our, nu- our news, nuclear, nuclear, nuclear news curator for this episode. Yeah, which is really unusual because what always happens is, is I say to Noah, man, I just have not seen any news this week. And then, like, Noah blasts out, like, 20 possible things to discuss that are all... <laughs> poignant and relevant oh, and, not you know, irrelevant <laughs> but i mean you know it's just it just shows that i suck at um news gathering news mongering well, no like longer no longer today i've broken the uh i've broken the trend um i don't know how it all came together in a perfect storm actually i think my google my google search was much better when i didn't try to look for nude space women um and instead or furry porn, or yeah, it was it went much better 
especially because I was at work that I was actually looking for something that uh, <laughs> was um, safe for work. Um, but anyway, I think we can dig in with our, our wonderful Intergeddon stories tonight. Um, it looks like, well, it's, it's, it doesn't look like it. It, it, it has happened. Um, THQ has closed yet another office. Now, we just had some news back in August of a closing but this is yet another victim, um, and this is the Melbourne, Australia publishing office. Oh, um, so it's it's you know it's a publishing office. Um, it's interesting that they're they're making some big changes here. They're shifting their um, international strategy to include third-party distributors rather than selling products directly leading to the closure. And their spokesman um, provided IGN with this commentary. THQ confirms that it has made changes to its publishing organization in Australia. <laughs> By changes, <laughs> they mean closing. In line with THQ's corporate strategy to focus on wholly owned IP and move away from affiliate label programs, we've evaluated how best to take our more focused product lineup to market in the territory. After a thorough analysis, a decision has been made to move from a direct sales model to a distributor model, which means that our Melbourne publishing office will be closing. Approximately 18 employees were impacted by this action. And, um, yeah, that's sad. They they had closed the um, Arizona facility earlier, as we mentioned. Um, but it looks like they're still releasing plenty of products. Um, just kind of a bummer to, to hear of yet another closure and more people looking for work. Yeah. THQ has been pretty aggressive ever since Jason Rubin took over to right the ship, so to speak, and keep it from being shut down completely. But hearing about an Australian office of THQ's being shut down, does it just brings back sad memories I have of when they shut down Blue Tongue, which made the awesome De Blob games that I loved so much. And this is going to be great if, if it keeps THQ around as another third-party developer versus fighting the homogeneity of Electronic Arts and Activision, then that's okay. Right, <laughs> exactly. Doing the right thing. So it looks like, we, we reported a while back that Chris Roberts was up to something, that he had taken a long hiatus from the industry, he was kind of bummed out about um, technology at its state after he released a whole bunch of great games like Wing Commander, and um, he... We we knew he was working on something. He had a um, he had a site up robertspaceindustries.com where he teased a bit, and now he has released a five minute long trailer for a game called Star Citizen, and he is crowdsourcing the funding for this. Um, did you did you watch the trailer? I have not watched the trailer. I've just read a little bit of the stuff on the Kickstarter. I did not know there was a trailer. Oh my gosh! So if you watch the trailer um, at the very beginning, it doesn't look incredibly impressive. But as you start to watch it, and as you listen to the really great music, it kind of sucks you in, and pretty soon um, the nostalgia for Wing Commander kicks in, and you also realize like this would be your best, closest approximation to being able to simulate being a fighter pilot in the, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. I mean, it oh is my gosh. so cool, and there's so much going on. There's space combat. It's all the way the movement works. It doesn't have that horrible movement that I complain about from Star Trek all the time. It seems really smooth. Everything looks just really awesome, and we, you know, we know what this guy does. He releases, he makes these games that are just incredible space combat simulators. Um, 
So I am super psyched, so psyched that I went right over to the crowdsourcing site, which you can you can find an article on this on PCGamer.com, or you can surely Google it or go to um, Robert um, Space Industries. Dot com. But anyway, you can go and, and hit the crowdsourcing thing, and uh, I contributed 30 bucks already, um, which will land me a, uh, I get like Copy a ship, a few credits, I get the game, and I get, um, I get alpha and beta um, player status. Nice. So super psyched for this. Um, it wasn't even a hard decision to throw money down because I know who this guy is. This is reminding me of an st- interesting story I heard um, when I was at Dragon Con from Richard Garriott who talked about the different kinds of game designers. And he was talking about how he was kind of a... He, he is... A, Richard Garriott is a typical game designer whose approach is kind of iterative where you take something, you keep refining it, you keep trying, you just keep going back to the well until you get this thing hammered into something that you want. And then he said, but there are some aberrations out there. And he said one of which is Chris Roberts, who he worked closely with for Wing Commander back at Origin. And he said, that guy just goes off and thinks and thinks and thinks and thinks and thinks. And then he has it all figured out and he just has to make it real. And, you know, he can be kind of uh, hard to work with for developers because they don't get the vision or, you know, anyone else working on it. But what he creates is pure genius. So, um it's cool to see this guy's coming out with something. I really, it'll be really interesting to see if it holds up, but the gameplay footage looked just gorgeous. I don't know if you've been watching any of the trailer while we've been talking, but... Uh, no, I didn't want to corrupt the quality of our podcast. Well, thank you, because every time I try to watch a trailer while podcasting, the sound is always so loud that then I can't keep track of what anyone else is saying. <laughs> yeah, and usually so, I hear the sound, too, for some reason or another. Yeah, um, in <laughs> One interesting thing, when I hit the crowdsourcing site, it was actually, it had a sign-up that it was overwhelmed with uh, traffic, so it looks like the community is going berserk over this one, and I, I see why. It should be a blast. You know, Privateer, Wing Commander, everything that guy's done. He has a good track record. Um, here's another little something that's interesting to me. Dead Space... Uh, Dead Space is a developer vis- visceral visceral. How would you best, how do you pronounce that? Visceral visceral visceral. I don't know visceral. why I'm visceral. Visceral Games, um, who are best known for the the wonderful Dead Space series, of which I have played both one and two, but haven't ever finished anything. And I really need to get that going. Um, they are starting development on a free-to-play strategy game for the PC. And as you read the mm. article, it's over at IGN. It's a Free-to-play MOBA-style game, a la League of Legends, Dota 2, Heroes of New Earth, etc., etc. Um, and they're hiring right now for a global community manager and other positions that have extensive MOBA action RTS-type experience, map designers, etc. So it looks like that's what they're they're gearing up for. It's unknown if it's going to be based on the Dead Space IP or something else. Ooh, it could be based on Mass Effect. I would not be surprised if this isn't... Well, no, Bioware's working on its own Mass Effect game. I just feel like the next Mass Effect game is not going to be an RPG. And It's like, why not? Make it a MOBA. But this is Visceral. This is a different studio. It's not Bioware. Right. But it's interesting, nonetheless. We know they're close. Yeah, I I definitely am excited. Crossover with the... Yeah, like the crossover with the Dead Space helmet and um, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty interesting, um, and actually that will fuel our uh, our roundtable topic later. 
What a coincidence. Hmm. Coincidence or something far more sinister? Always more sinister. Oh, yeah. So I, I had mentioned a while back that I was... I, I, that myself and thousands of others tricked the producers of MechWarrior Online into allowing us to be um, open beta participants or closed beta <laughs> participants because they had a, some kind of an S-list mailing error and sent everyone uh, beta information and codes, I guess. So they're like, ah, screw it, you're all in the closed beta. Well, now they're announcing that their open beta will commence on October 16th. And um, they're using the Crytek engine, and it's uh, it's a pretty interesting game because parts of it seem like really gritty and kind of photorealistic, and it's it's fun. Um, I was a big Mech Warrior player back in the old days, you know, and really enjoyed it, you know, when the graphics were crappy. So playing it this way is really interesting because it looks so darn good, and it feels just about right. Um, you do feel like you're you're moving around several tons of steel and getting blasted, and you have problems with overheating and all that stuff. And um, but anyway, the open beta will begin on, on October 16th, so get on over to their site and sign up. Um, or um, I guess you have until midnight on the 14th to become part of their founders program, which has exclusive rewards and all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a pretty darn playable game. I'm really interested to see how it, how it, well it hits on, on in the uh, gaming community. Yeah. You know, I never would have foreseen that you would be a promoter of mech warrior. I just didn't know that the game was this big of a deal for you. It's, it's really surprising and cool to hear you have interest in this franchise and series, but it's just, it's, it's one that I never got into because I always just felt it was overwhelmingly complicated. No, it's it's really funny, and it, it, it all comes from I somehow managed to pick up on the cheap, I guess, a copy of MechWarrior 2 a long time ago, and I don't remember what platform I was playing it on, if it was like a PC or if, yeah, it must have been a PC game, but I was playing MechWarrior 2, and I got to this mission that had this like really killer music, and it was in this desert scene, and you were escorting like a caravan. Uh, like a, it was like a train, I guess, laden down with um, you know all kinds of freight, and you were you were kind of like a you know riding as a scout and, and protecting it, um, riding along, you know, kind of following it, mm-hmm. and then all these mechs were coming in to try and destroy it, and it was just such a classic setting, and the music was perfect, and the vi- the visuals were so good that it stands out to me as like one of the most fun missions I've ever done in any game ever. And uh, and after that, I just kind of had this like kind of nostalgic feeling towards Mech Warrior. I played you know a lot of other missions in the game and really liked it, um, but I never really got any of the sequels or got into them. I never had played the first one. And then I saw Mech Warrior online, and then I you know I signed up. And then when they had their screw up, I played it, and I was like, you know, this is actually pretty fun. So <laughs> yeah, I guess I am a kind of a closet Mech Warrior lover. I guess. <laughs> I guess the thought of actually having one of these is what's always been interesting to me, like if, how fun it would be to, you know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Gigantic battle bot thing. Um, so here's some interesting news as well. Um, I'll have to work on my technique at introducing news stories. <laughs> do it much so better. also, okay. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, um, I got this story to tell you. No, normally I, I I force Noah to do the news and and I and it's more of a well he's better at it and uh, I'm lazy and so the two combine to make it for a really good trend. But anyway, tonight <laughs> just totally different, so I'm doing it. But um, World of Warcraft, there's been an exploit that's been causing 
such cities as Agramar, Stormwind. Uh, actually, quite I think all the capitals have been getting cleaned out. Um, but these hackers have come up with a way of uh, playing a level one character, and they can insta-kill everyone on site, NPCs, player characters, you name it. And uh, they've released a hot fix by they, I mean Blizzard, that, that fixes this. Mm-hmm. But there are still a whole bunch of funny videos to watch on YouTube where these players are just coming in and wiping out entire cities and turning them into, you know, just uh, lifeless husks of what they should be. It's really fun to watch, frankly, and I don't even play Warcraft, but I play it just long enough to have an appreciation for watching a bunch of people simultaneously fall over dead. Yeah. And it's in so a funny. safe zone. So, I mean, it's not like they're in some no. super hard danger zone or something like that. It, when they have to go back and collect their corpses, it won't be. There's right? no reason they should be dead there. But it's so funny to watch them like looking around and they're trying to they'll get on their mounts. They're like super cool, epic mount and try and fly up and like, I'll take this transgressor on. And all they see is like a level one character and then boom, and they fall out. They fall out of the sky and hit the ground <laughs> and get another corpse. And it's pretty funny to watch. And, uh, not really sure of the details of the exploit, really. I don't think anyone knows yet exactly what's going on, but it's been patched and or hot fixed, and we'll we'll see what happens um, in the future if if yet more different ways to, uh, well, you know, call the herd, so to speak, emerge for World of Warcraft. Wow. No, this didn't make you want to start playing right away. No, it didn't. <laughs> Definitely did not. <laughs> Didn't want to go I didn't appreciate the comedic value of the videos. Oh, yeah, the videos are great. You know what they need to do is do like a Gangnam-style remake of one of the videos where... I totally... <laughs> can't you see it, you know? Like, it'd be awesome. I don't know. Something I live for. Well, a long time ago, as I shift topics awkwardly... <laughs> In a galaxy um, far, far away. Far, far away. Noah and I and Jason were very skeptical of the company on live and what they were going to do. And then we went to E3, and they made us believers. And even though we were believers with some caveats, like, well, the server could be right next to the demo unit. But it appears that they had figured out quite a bit, and then they had that beta, and we were allowed to play, you know, on the, through the OnLive system at home, where OnLive, what it does is uh, allows you to play console games and PC games um, in your own home, without having a console or PC necessarily. They had like some units that you could buy that were kind of like a, a console kind of remote thing. Um, and it basically streamed the gameplay to you and your controller reactions went back to their central servers and um, did it all through broadband. And it was fairly impressive, right? I mean, mm-hmm. once we saw it actually working. Yeah. And for a yeah. monthly subscription fee, you could have, you know, so, so many games or you could buy or I think you could do them ad hoc sort of, you know, have this game for a while or whatever. You could kind of rent the game and play it virtually. Um, in any case, they had a competitor, Gaikai. Well, Gaikai sold for, oh, gosh, what did they get purchased for? Like three, 400 and some million, wasn't it? It was some huge number. Yeah. Um, we talked about it before. <laughs> yeah, I know. I should I should have had it ready in the notes. Um, <laughs> once again, failing utterly at my job. But, <laughs> uh, but anyway, Gaikai was was acquired and uh, sold for three hundred and eighty million. Well, look at the speed of which you find these things out. 
Right, right, yes. If only I were more prepared. Meanwhile, On Life was apparently sold for four million when the company was pretty much cleared out. Um, yeah. Big disparity. Yeah. It, it's so weird because Gaikai never had any of the like major marketing. Yeah, I was so skeptical about Gaikai because it's like, oh, you know, David Perry decides that he's gonna he's gonna do the same thing that I'm On Life's doing. I'm like, this is so much a, a me too attempt, and use, and even at the end of the day. We heard a lot more about on live, on live launching, on live being successful, people being like, I'm going to go get my on live console, all this other stuff. And Gaikai is the one that came out on top. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sounds like a real train wreck. There's a whole bunch of stories available. Yeah, it sounds like it's largely couched in management issues. Yeah, The Verge has a really, uh, like four stories. And some of the titles are On Live Lost. A reference to Paradise Lost. How the Paradise of Streaming Games was undone by one man's ego. Um, OnLive CEO stays on board to take the company to a higher level. OnLive founder Steve Perlman is out. Investor Gary Lauder assumes control. Interesting stuff. Sad for all the staff who worked there. Um, Hopefully they'll uh, move on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Maybe with their knowledge of this technology, they can go go with Gaikai. (laughs) Yeah. Um, in more exciting and upbeat news, some people have liked the Secret World combat from the get-go, like myself. Others found it a little lacking. Um, I don't think anyone wanted it to be just like Age of Conan's combat, but we all wanted it to be maybe a little more dynamic. And in the next update, the Secret World is going to get a free reticle, reticle combat system. And I guess what that means is it's basically like, Right now, you can still kind of do the traditional MMO thing where you target specific enemies. And they're going to switch it over to where you can elect to just, um, you know, direct your character towards an enemy. And it'll pick the one that seems to be the one you're trying to go towards, the more appropriate enemy, more like a, an arcade-type feel. Yeah. Um, and they're thinking that'll really liven up the combat. And I think it will. I think it's a good idea to do that. The combat's not bad, as I've always said. I think when you first start playing it, you um, you get to you, you start out with kind of a dream version of reality, and you have like um, a shotgun and a and you have a lot of different moves unlocked. And then when you actually come out of that and choose your real character, you only have the one um, you know attack skill, and eventually it gets to be three, and then you're kind of stuck there for a while. And so it seems to kind of slow down. It feels kind of like how City of Heroes was, where you're like hit the button, wait, wait wait, hit the button, you know, <laughs> and uh, so, but, you know, but there is always the fact that you can just spam one of the buttons in this one, and so I think that's what this this will kind of do, is allow you to kind of have that, like, you know, pound on the trigger while you aim at whatever you're doing, or your your attack button, and feel a little bit more arcadey, and, um, and one thing I know in the secret world is the more you move your character around, the more... Um, able you are to dodge attacks and to be out of the you know range of fire and area of effect of different spells and they have different shaped areas of effect you know they're not all just a circle some are cones some are you know kind of linear um so it does help to move around a lot and this will make that even probably easier to do and more natural feeling so i think it's a good update there's supposed there's a whole bunch of stuff coming with the update as well um you know more content and all that stuff but uh you can read about it at the uh the Funcom site. 
Not not enough to lure you into it, though, I'm sure. Not as long as it has a subscription. Although, don't let that be an indication that I'm interested in any other free-to-play MMOs, because I certainly haven't jumped into them. No. But, yeah. And there are there are quite a few to choose from. Mm-hmm. A veritable plethora. Um, things that Noah does play, though, one of them is Legends. <laughs> and um, the playoffs were called off. And what what got a lot of people wondering what the heck was going on was the statement that they had moved to a secure location. And um, on Kotaku, they had an interview with Riot because a lot of a lot of folks thought that they were saying that maybe they'd been um, subject to distributed denial of service attack or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like maybe some people who love Dota 2 or, you know, other misguided people that love Heroes of New Earth or something like that were maybe trying to interfere and spoil their party. But by secure, they, they uh, Riot, um, Chris Hines wrote in and said, um, we have no reason to believe there's any outside interference or foul play at this time. Internet issues, both local and upstream, our network guys are continuing to investigate the root cause. And by secure, we meant more stable. And they'll make <laughs> announcements soon. And so I think they just were actually having connectivity issues, probably over, you know, overwhelmed by the load. I yeah. mean, there there are a lot of people watching this, and it's an international tournament, so it's coming from everywhere. You got it's not just you know like everyone in the United States is interested in this or something. Everybody is going after it. Um, yeah, it's kind so, of funny, Mark, I, that we used to talk about e-gaming and. Or, well, esports, I guess, is the better way to describe it, and how it was kind of a phenomenon local to Korea and maybe to other parts of Asia. But it was just something that we're like, yeah, that's cool. They do that. They're playing StarCraft 2, whatever, or StarCraft 1. And it, yeah. it, was, it was neat to hear that somewhere out there, games were so legitimate and such a part of a society's culture that they got the same reverence or same level of publicity at least as athletes uh, of athletic nature <laughs> yeah, totally. and America does. And it's, it's kind of interesting how that has evolved over the last five years since we started this show Yeah, and that you and I are actually interested in these tournaments that are going on. And it's fun to just get caught up watching these games and seeing who's going to win. Yeah. It's funny, you know, like, Going, what, um, getting interested in the tournaments, finding out who the teams are and what countries they represent, and then from there, like choosing the one that you like. And maybe it's not because they're from your country, but because of you know what they've achieved or what their, you know what their play style is, like playing like broken characters, like Moscow Five does sometimes and stuff, um, or at least saying they do, um, or going with like a lot of assassin characters, like they did tonight, because the tournament resumed tonight, and I just watched them. Um, destroy Type A assassins in the first round of the semifinals, um, and it was quite awesome to watch what they did and to see how well that team plays. When we play, I think a lot of the people Noah and I are playing with, we've been playing for so long since the beta that we we are good tactically, but we never have that strategic like no. Arcing, um, it hasn't naturally occurred on its own. <laughs> view going right. Nobody wants to. I don't think any of us really wants to be the the like leader that you know that calls the shots and says go here, go there. And instead, we're all kind of focused on our own little individual battles, our own little struggles to acquire 
gold and items and kills and and it's it's not so much selfish it's just the way it's just the level we're at you know we're not we're not in a team we we don't have any of this stuff established we don't have plays so to speak like flanking maneuvers or you know luring people we we really don't have that and to watch these people do it with perfection i actually watched the the, the guys tonight um the the Taipei assassins totally fell into a trap that was just so brutal because it was three of them, but all five of Moscow five was ready for them and they just closed <sighs> in and just destroyed them. And I was just amazed at they, the, they uh, aced them. They aced them. Yeah. Oh man, that can make such a difference in League of legends as well. Yeah. You wipe out and the then, entire team, even for 30 seconds, it can just turn the tide. Yeah. And then the commentators like, and it's an ace. And right then you're thinking, Oh, they're going to go storm the base and take the turret. No, they went for Baron. And he's like, and that's the right call. And then after that, they utterly annihilated them. But I was oh, like, oh yeah, wow. made themselves super powerful to wipe yeah. them out the next time they came around. They totally, and then they kicked their butts again right at their the other player's base, and then it was just a roll. So, so fun. So if you get a chance to, uh, if you're into League of Legends or competitive gaming, or you just want to see a great example, watch the um, Moscow Five versus Taipei Assassins in the semifinals game one. It was incredible. Just the coordination, I, I was blown away. Um, yeah, pretty exciting. And our last story in our intro getting covers a very sad tale <laughs> on massively by joystick. Where am I? It's the, 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 the story is called a mild mannered reporter. No hope for city of heroes. No faltering for us. And it's really weird. The, the story is funny because the, um, the author of the the story he references like uh, what's the book he references? It cracked me up. Player uh, Piano by play- Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, he referenced the Kurt Vonnegut book, which just made me laugh so hard. And uh, where you know the cause is basically lost, and is is in, in the cause is lost, but named after another cause that was lost. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about, you know, all their efforts to try to get NCSoft to not closet um, or mothball City of Heroes and um, how it's destined for failure, but you just have to do some things for the sake of doing some things. Um, really quite so that. It's just, yeah, it's just a rallying call to arms. It's like, yeah, we're going to be defeated, but this is that's not the way that you do this. You still keep fighting. You still keep email, emailing, keep protesting. As much as you know that it's, as much as you may think it's wrong for NCSoft to do this, and of course this writer also thinks that it's wrong for NCSoft to do this, it's like, and as much as I know that we're not going to be successful, we're still going to keep just making them remember how we feel about it. It's like a sewer run when everything responds and you realize you've gone too far down and you know that you're not going to make it back. So the only thing you can do is just press on and know that you'll all respond together somewhere else. And maybe, maybe they can all, maybe we can all respawn in another game somewhere yeah i don't know the comments man there were a lot of trolls in the comments one pissed me off particularly which i won't justify by reading or anything but um yeah a lot of trolling like get over it that game's eight years old why are you well because for a lot of people it was their first mmo game they ever played and for a lot of other people it brought together groups of people with like a common um, focus in a game that you know continued to um, I don't know they they the game evolved I mean the whole architect thing no one's ever done anything like that in an MMO before where they basically converted it from a mud to a mush 
Um, just the way that they continue to um, push that game in different directions and to add new features and to, um, I don't know, they broke a lot of new ground with it, I thought. And I thought the task forces were always fun. And, and myself and Noah, we we spent many a weekend with a group of players, you know, over at somebody's house or, or a condo or whatever, playing through task forces with a friend named Mike in Ohio, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it was a great So, hate to see it go. I really wish there was some way to um, see this, you know, purchased by another company or some someone who just really wanted to do the right thing and keep it going, maybe hire the live team. Because as last I heard, it had over 100,000 subscribers, so it's not like it's a failed franchise. It just doesn't fit the business model, which is mm-hmm. quite sad. The NCSoft evil business model, I will refer to it. From from this day forth, I shall refer to it as the NCSoft evil business model. Is that okay with you, Noah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have for the Intrageddon. It would not be a proper Intrageddon without an awkward silence right towards the end. That's right. We would normally move into our listener feedback section, but we have been failed by our community and have nothing to report. That's fine. I mean, Hilgi, Hilgi Scott does us a favor and that he'll retweet my tweets when I say an episode and posters. So thank you, Hilgi Scott, for doing that. Yay. Right on. Thanks, man. We love you, Hilgi. Um, so, Noah, what have you been playing lately? I went on a... a a downloadable game binge for my 3DS of all things over the weekend. There are several listeners on my other Nintendo podcast, Nintendo Heartcast over at Nintendo Joe, that have recommended games to me repeatedly. And my co-host over there is also, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. These games aren't going on sale anytime soon. This isn't Steam. So I bought some and I really liked them. There's one that's kind of a weird tower defense slash uh, action type game but it's more of a of an action strategy game and it, you play it's it's got a really heavy western motif and you play an armadillo and all of the citizens are <laughs> anthropomorphic animals but it's got really cool music and graphics and these rock monsters come out at night when the sky turns red and you have to go and combat them and set up your watchtowers to make sure that you can see when they're approaching and make sure they don't break into the town and eat the livestock. So it's it's actually really cool. And then I also got some other puzzle games and stuff like that. And the other thing I'm really excited about playing that I haven't played yet because it's not been available to, until today is the fourth episode of The Walking Dead Adventure Game, which is so freaking oh. good. Everything and, I've read about it has been fantastic. And Walking Dead, the TV series, starts this week. This oh, and I'm all caught up on the, on the second season. So Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to hear how that develops. Yes, you you've got to uh we've got to get you hooked up so you can catch these episodes yeah. in a quicker way. What have you been playing, Mark? Well, one thing I forgot to put on my list in the notes was Terraria. It's a downloadable game really? for Steam. Have you played it? I haven't, but Terra has told me many times that she loves it. Well, it has her name in it. 
Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like a 2D version of Minecraft with some really cool dynamic lighting, but there's a lot more going on to it. And at later levels, it looks a lot like um, like Turrican or uh, Metroid, sort of. It's really crazy looking. It's like an 8-bit mix, but you can tell that there's other stuff going on with it. Um, you can build things. Like in Minecraft, you can, you know, you craft stuff, but you start out with like a pick and by the, you know, I, I believe by the end you have stuff like rocket boots and bombs and lasers and there's also a bunch of NPCs that mess with you and a whole world that you explore and you can build whatever you want and it's kind of cool. It's kind of got the sandboxy thing going. Um, I, I, I haven't got too far in it. I have definitely not got to the point where I've seen videos of the gameplay where it looks just totally crazy. Um, mine's much more tame, much more like a 2D Minecraft first night kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, I've been playing that a little bit and League of Legends on and off. Um, and I've been working on my own little game and like scrapping some ideas and getting closer. But uh, and I've been working on some music for my game too. So that's. That's what I've been doing in my spare time. Nice. And, of course, signing up for Kickstarter projects, like the, <laughs> the 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 latest installment in the Wing Commander series, or, or so it seems, Chris Roberts' latest. Um, yeah, that's been pretty much... Oh, I've been playing a little tower defense game on my iPhone. Um, it's just okay, though. Nothing like... Nothing like the, the tower defense Lost Earth that I had so much love for, but, but fun. Mm. Now, Noah, you have a big weekend coming up, right? For general <laughs> general geekery. I do, I do. I'm gonna have a little board game extravaganza, which should be pretty exciting. There, we're gonna be playing everything ranging from some simple color pattern card type games made by Game Right, which are really fun. Whether they're made for the entire family or not, I love the Game Right games. They're really, really Addictive, simple, and most importantly, fun. But we have that. We'll also be trying Small World for the first time as a group, which I'm really excited about because I've played it once before. Totally loved it. Never thought I'd get into a game that's kind of like Risk. But this one I can totally dig because it's got a great fantasy theme with lots of adjectives. So you can get Mm. all sorts of fantasy races, whether it's like kobolds or rats or leprechauns or pixies or white ladies, all these different types of fantasy creatures or races. And then there's an adjective like underground or mercenary or gypsy or something. And you never know what combination you're going to get. And it depends on what, whatever combination you get affects how you take over territory on the world map. Oh, that's cool. And how you can be, what happens if you are, if somebody tries to conquer you, but really fun, really great art. We'll also be trying ticket to ride, which I've been hesitant about because Aesthetically, it doesn't look that fun, but all the reviews across the board say it's really, really fun. And I, I like having manifest destinies of ruling railroad tracks across no, well, the U.S. Who wouldn't? Yeah, so so we'll have that. And then Battlestar Galactica, more than likely. And if Mark can make it, we might play a Game of Thrones board game. So, yeah. So um, what happened was I had been trying to get into this beer festival it's the Great American Beer Festival, and it's the biggest, like, microbrew craft beer 
convention in the world, I think. And it's right here in Denver. And I, for years, I was a guest or a um, volunteer tapper for it, which means I would pour one ounce of a sample of beer for whatever person I was representing um, at a time. Usually it was Sam Adams, which is pretty makes pretty mm-hmm. darn good stuff. Um, and I did that for years and years. And then my wife found out she had a gluten allergy. And then her brother, <laughs> because of my wife, uh, Jim from the podcast found out he had it too. And he was, and they were the people I always went with. So I didn't have anyone to go with anymore. And so I kind of dropped out and then I had my, my kids were really young and it just, it's just kind of a pain in the butt to do that for a, a whole Saturday or a Saturday and a Sunday. Um, so I dropped out, but I just got kind of brought back in, but I didn't think I would. And so I didn't realize I had a conflict with this game day that we have. So um, I will most likely show up to Noah's, um, smelling of a brewery, but I do plan to make it. <laughs> so it'll just, I have, I have a lot of stuff. Um, I have a full session on Saturday morning that I have to go to first to tap beer for people or, you know, so it should be fun. <laughs> I will, I will be bringing Game of Thrones. Ooh. All right. Me. Cool. Um, yeah. And then you, are you doing your role playing thing on Sunday too? Actually, I had that. You're going to be a dung this, elf? The, this last week, and I had another changeling session from White Wolf and brought my journal, took my notes, and it was really cool. It was fun. We had another battle, which was unexpected since we went through three sessions before we ever fought anything. So we had another one. This was our fourth session. And it was at the end, and I was really tired, unfortunately, but. Uh, I was always like, I'm like, I'm ready to go to sleep while we're having this cool battle, but it was a much easier battle. So it didn't matter too much, but overall a lot of cool character building moments and, and unexpected comedy as I tried to role play my character with the DM and the other two people who were not in the room were sitting there laughing their heads off because they just felt that I was making so many double entendres. (laughs) And eventually I'm like, well, fine, I'm going to deliberately start making double entendres while I have this conversation since you find it so funny. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, it was it was really cool. It was fun. There's one moment that was kind of weird, where I think one of the one of my fellow players wasn't really digging the game mechanics or the game system, and so he had his character propose to us to start the equivalent of some kind of civil rights movement to <laughs> inform humanity about the threat of very kind in this game world so that they are on the defense, if not the offense and they stop getting kidnapped as much and and getting tortured and all this other stuff. And they're just well aware, which at the end of the day, if we were to do something like that, that basically changes the entire game world and kind of like destroys the game. If we were to do that, not to mention our three measly level two or three characters trying to revolutionize and overturn the whole game world in which we play in is incredibly unlikely and infeasible. And so both of, of me and the other girl, the uh, other character who's a girl, we were like, um, that's cool. I was cool, going to say, no you're, thanks. You're, you're not a girl, Noah. No, I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even playing a female character. I meant to say the other character <laughs> who is a girl. <laughs> yeah. News report. So yeah, we just kind of squashed it down and then he seemed to get, upset and pouty about it oh. and then he 
kind of got into a better mood and he's like, no, it's just my character who's pouting about it. I'm not pouting about it. I'm like, I don't think that was the case. That was really awkward. That, that was is, an awkward moment. Yeah, that would be very, very strange. Well, that's cool, though. Yeah, it was fun. It's cool that we have the ability to try to propose such zany things. Yeah. But I'm happy with just staying in the world, not destroying it, and continuing to see where our adventures take us. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. In other news, we were, um, in in the general geekery vein, we were, we had a bit of a miscommunication via email. Noah sent out an email, and he was like, hey, PAX East is almost sold out. I'm thinking about going to... Uh, not going to Dragon Con and just doing PAX Prime because of my other trip I have coming up. And so I read that as PAX East. So I was like, damn it, I'm going to buy a ticket. (laughs) I bought a ticket and then I was like, I even texted him. I was like, I'm buying my ticket now. Because apparently the um, three-day pass was... uh, Just like before, it sold out within a day. Yeah, it was going fast. So I I went ahead and did it, and then I like reread his email later. It's <laughs> like, oh, he didn't say Pax East; he said Pax Prime, which is totally different. Which makes sense. Very m- makes the Dragon Con thing make a lot of sense because they happen at the exact same time, while as Pax East happens in March. So <sighs> in the end, I'm kind of an idiot. But it looks like I'm going to Pax East. So if anyone's listening <laughs> and is going to Pax East. Let me know. Maybe we can meet up or something. It'd be oh, fun. Oh man! Um, but I'm gonna go. I'm committed, and uh, that's I'm, great. Yeah, you are gonna have fun, whether somebody goes with you or not. Yeah. As, as I said over email, and what's cool about going by yourself? I mean, I had to go to E3 by myself once. It's like you you rule your schedule, and you get to do yeah. whatever you want. You don't have to take into consideration. Well, we have to meet back up for dinner. Or we have to do this, or maybe they're going to go over here, and I don't really want to go over there. But we're still doing stuff as a group here and there. It'll yeah. be totally fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it'll be a blast. So, and what's ironic about that, or unexpected, is that you're going, and I actually know like three or four people, like acquaintances, who are going. Whereas oh, where I didn't know anybody else who was going to Dragon Con or PAX oh, wow. Prime when I went to that last year. So it's so funny. And, and I thought that I might go to PAX East because uh, another friend of mine, my co-host over my Nintendo show, um, he wants to go to PAX and that one's a lot closer to him because he lives in D.C. But I think all of us were just caught off guard. Usually the PAX badges, well, at least the PAX Prime ones go on sale about three months before the event, but this is like yeah. six months before the event. Yeah, it's nuts. I'm just glad you told me because it it was <laughs> in, in it was an endangered species. Like by that's the right. Time well, you it, can't go to PAX Prime because you're already booked for Dragon Con. Dragon Con, yeah. I already got my hotel all lined up, and uh, awesome. and I I don't know. After going to one, I I don't know. Maybe after the next one, I'll feel differently. But I can't imagine like not going to that again. It was so fun. <laughs> And to the thought of going with a costume this time is awesome. Oh my gosh, I'm going to push you to do that, even if I'm so, not going with you. <laughs> so if if you um if Pax Prime um sells out before you can buy your pass, are you going to do Dragon Con as a secondary oh, yeah. option? Oh yeah, cool. I, I would totally do that. Well, yeah. I'll I keep my fingers want... crossed that you get screwed. <laughs> well, and whichever show I go to, I will be cosplaying. I oh really? Oh, that's just, cool. Just as you have, that it is in my destiny <laughs> to do some kind of cosplay. Yeah. Because PAX also yeah. has cosplay, not quite as... Well, I don't think anything has quite as much cosplay as Dragon Con does, but no. uh, I just really thought that was so neat. 
especially Dragon Con. It really makes you want to do it because like a third of the attendees, and there's like 50,000 people there, and like a third of them are dressed up every hour of yeah. every day. So cool. So very, very cool. Definitely. So, looking forward to that. Well, this brings us to our final segment of the show. The round table, which is uh, due to us being on Skype, more like a linear table. But in any case, um, we hinted at this before, but I think our, our, a topic worth discussing is um, with with this announcement of, of yet another studio tackling the MOBA genre, maybe seeing what's happened with the, the huge success of Riot Games because of League of Legends and seeing all the anticipated hype for, you know, Dota 2. Um, I mean, the MOBA, the, the MOBA game style is definitely on the rise and is kind of becoming synonymous with competitive gaming right now. And um, so my question is, is free-to-play MOBA the new um, MMO of our era? Or you know, where everyone wants to cash in on it, or is it just kind of something that some are glomming on to? I think it is, because the amount of overhead, at least from a design perspective and right. mechanics perspective, it's so much lower than an MMO. Right, you don't because, have to crank out all the content. Yeah, exactly. You make one map, you make 30 different character models, and you come up with abilities for them. Now, granted... That's not easy. You have to come up with really interesting and unique feeling, at least, champions, and they have to be really well-balanced. And if you're going to do a map that's not the standard setup that the most popular games use, there's a lot of risk there as well. And the road is already, the, the timeline, our history is already littered with also-rans in this genre Heroes of New Earth, I think, being an example, it's still it's still around and surviving, but it's definitely not top tier. And it'll be right. really interesting to see how Dota 2 does when it formally comes out and gets out of beta. But then you have stuff like Demigod, and there wasn't there was something from the wasn't there something from Funcom? I can't remember. No, there, no, there was one from um, oh, maybe I can't remember now. There was one from an MMO company that. Yeah, similar. Was wasn't it? Wasn't it the ones that did Warhammer had like a, a different? Well, yeah, they have one as well that is still in development. That <sighs> yeah, yeah, account. maybe you're right about Funcom. Um, but yeah, there's like the first person versions of it too. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's all over the place. Right and there's now. a Lord of the Rings one that's coming out on Xbox Live, PSN, and I think PC here. Right, in that's just a couple yeah. months. That has potential. It could be pretty cool. Guardians of Middle Earth. Yeah using pretty much all the movie likenesses and design. I just can't go wrong there. I will, of course, play Sauron and win every time. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Jason would play like Gollum or something. Yeah. I don't know who I would play. I'd have to think about it, but... Yeah, Aragorn would be fun. Oh, yeah, he would be. Or Legolas. Legolas. <laughs> Archers like was his... fun. I always wanted to play Archers in any fantasy game that I play. Yeah. I, I, I love range characters in these MOBA games just because it's it's such an easier thing to do than the melee. Well, yeah, it's a lot more accessible, that's for sure. But, yeah, it's... If anything, Riot Games' meteoric rise in relevance as a publisher, yeah. a developer, in the competitive gaming scene, and 
certainly not least of all, making a free-to-play game and just making tons of money off of it and gaining international notoriety and acclaim for it. Just yeah. It, the like I said at the beginning, the overhead is kind of low to make one of these kinds of games, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of a glut of them for the next year, year and a half. Well, that's you know that's kind of the joke with League of Legends is, um, you know when when guy says to the other, yeah, I play a free to play game. And the other guy goes, oh, which one? League of Legends. He's like, oh yeah, I've spent about five hundred bucks on that. And the other guy says, oh yeah, me too. Yeah, and totally. it's like it's free to play, but it, <laughs> but nobody plays it for free. And it is very successful. I mean, they they are the ones who have, you know, game cards at 7-Eleven and stuff um, where you, you just don't see that with everybody else. And they, they are like very legitimate. games like the Club Penguin stuff. and Yeah, of course, World of, of course Blizzard. But yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of the kids stuff and some of the Asian ones like Maple Story and stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, Clean it's stuff, kid games, Queens. but then there's League of Legends and. Only a few other adult games, I feel like, that get represented even in that little way yeah. throughout our economy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, yeah, I'm wondering, too, how many more will cash in? Um, well, I'm kind of looking forward to it just from the perspective of, of course, new gameplay concepts for champions or heroes or whatever you want to call it. But also, I would like to see a really another yet another new popular map design oh that'd be really cool the classic that's been around since the original dota that's used in league of legends and heroes of new earth and so many others that's great and i think that riot really did a kick-ass job developing dominion that's another classic instant classic map design oh yeah i want another one (laughs) i do too i'm always gonna want more so it knew maybe a map that creates or requires a, a different game mechanic the way that League of Legends Dominion mode does, or just a, another map in general that's just a lot of fun to play. I mean, the Twisted Tree line, three versus three, is pretty cool too. That's not too bad, but it's not. Well, it's not the remember, crack that Dominion is. Do you remember when we used to play like Tides of Blood, and it had like the three-way Uh-oh. corridor game? And you could build towers, and you could hire buildings. Yeah. yeah, you could treasure you, hoard. Had yeah. all kinds of other elements going on, but the coolest part was it was like team versus team versus team. And so that added such a crazy dynamic because you would just... And that you could turn neutral towns to your team. Well, that was really cool. Yeah, and that that was an old mod for uh, Warcraft 3, but it had some really crazy concepts in it, and we played a hell of a lot of that. I mean, at first we were, like, fascinated by it, like, oh, this could never work, and then we started playing it, and it was really fun. And the dynamic of it being, you know three are uh, you know realm versus realm versus realm or whatever you know it added a lot because you never really quite knew if you were safe or not when you went anywhere whereas with the, at least with with the t- traditional you know team versus team you kind of know where you're safe yeah but that one you just didn't know and you didn't know what was in and some crazy victories would occur and stunning losses and yeah all those other dynamics with the building up your building up your minions and your fortifications. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think the biggest weakness with that map and also with just the main MOBA map is that, and I, and I don't feel the Dominion suffers from this, and I, some people would argue me on this, but I feel in those, the Tides of Blood map and the, the really traditional, classic, original Dota map that League of Legends uses and everybody else uses, they all have, like, 
the inevitable turning point where it's just like it's near impossible past a certain point for you to turn the game around. There are upheavals and turnarounds and stuff, but not nearly to the degree that I see in Dominion, which is what I like about Dominion. There's not ever the sense of inevitability. I mean, you can no, turn things around with too. like 10% of your points left and the other team has 60% left and you can turn around and still win. Which we've experienced recently. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of cool. And I've seen that happen once in a blue moon in yeah. the traditional map styles. but that, And just that you work that long, you put that much time in to get to that kind of sinking, uh, well, here we go. Here's the end. We, we've got it wrapped up. What do you think it's about our friend um, Curtis's constant... Uh, uh, well, view that uh, trying to think of a better word for it, but opinion. his his opinion that um, Dominion has no skill or requires no skill. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I just think it's much more of an arcade type. Yeah, yeah, it I doesn't. Think so too. It's it's not paced. It's paced too fast to have the in depth strategizing and trickery like that you were admiring in oh, the yeah. online tournaments. Yeah. It just it, you can't do that. It's the gameplay moves way too fast for you to say, "All right, let's swarm over here." It's just the most basic of str- strategy, but you have to be really skillful. Like that one game that we played, Mark. Oh against yeah. A team where they had one or two people who were just absolute superstars and avoiding death. It was, just and it was constantly would get down to like five and minutes, it's, ten hit points, and they and would was, sneak away so frustrating. Yeah, and it wasn't like they were playing Trindamir. They were. <laughs> They were playing regular champions and just getting away with it. And it was so angry. I mean, one was like Urgot, right? I can't one remember. Singed. The Singed one drove me. Well, yeah, Singed is always good at that. But the other one was like, no way. I've come so close to killing this person so many times. This is unbelievable. Yeah. but um, And that was one where we started talking and we're like, wow, these people are really good. And... They're like, we're not good, blah, blah, blah. They're being humble or, or whatever it was. And Kurt's like, they're not good. What are you talking about? This game doesn't require any strategy or skill whatsoever. Yeah. And just because it's a different kind of strategy and skill than the traditional game doesn't mean that it doesn't have that. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot more tactical and less strategic. But if you have a bunch of really good tactical players, the skill is the tactical part, you know. You're mm-hmm. reacting to your. It's reactive, you know. It's it's it's. There's no overarching, you know. And you don't get strategy. as penalized if you get bloodlust, which I still have a problem with. <laughs> yeah, I just get so roid rage. Well, I guess not. I just get obsessed with. Them. I'm like, all right, I know I'm going to die right here, but I don't care. I'm going to keep hitting you, and hopefully you're going to die before I do, or we'll die at the same time. But best- one way or another, you're going to die. The funniest part is you play Kogma, who when he does die, then becomes like this ghost version of himself that's an explosion. So usually you get your man. I mean, that's what, That's the most satisfying thing. I think that's why that character is so perfect for me, because I get too caught up and like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. I'm like, damn it, you killed me. I'm like, oh, but you're almost dead. Now I'm going to kill you. <laughs> they're like, you know, they're like, no, <laughs> I thought I killed him. That would be one of the most frustrating things playing against my yeah. my champion of choice is that happens so often. Yeah, and it's a beautiful thing to behold when you're on your yeah. team. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, well, well, let's hear hoping that there's more of these types of stories that we'll have in other games, but I'll always have a, a space in my heart for League of Legends. 
Oh, me too. Yeah. Even after a break from it, it I came back with even more passion for the game. So that's good. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested in writing into us about any of the, uh, the stories we covered or your thoughts on our, our roundtable topic about MOBAs being the new MMO or bright shiny object that game designers and developers and publishers are going to pursue, try and bring as much money from the industry as possible, um, please write us at mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Find us on Facebook. Listen to the wonderful tweets on the Twitter. I, I hate the Twitter, but. Yeah, you can follow me. I'm at this is Noah on Twitter. At this is Noah on Twitter. I'm I've, I'm nearing 700 tweets, Mark. Wow! And, and to think, look. like six months ago, I had like 125. Man, so, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a little more regular than I used to be. He is yes, he is on the he's on a high fiber diet now, and <laughs> uh, you can uh, you can also um, leave us a nice, wonderful, glowing review on iTunes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Please keep tuning in. We, we love hearing yeah. from you, though. And, uh, yeah, if you have any cool board games to recommend to us, if any of the ones we yeah. mentioned tickle your fancy or you're like, oh, that game's cool, but this other one's so much better, you should try that. Let us know what your favorite board game is if you're playing that or if you have a something else that's computer-based that you really like. You can tell us that, too. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I plan, you know, the next board game I'm going to get is uh, Robo Rally. Which uh, I've played several times, but I've never owned it. But uh, I'm gonna buy it. It's really fun. Cool. It's, it's really funny too, so, because when your plans go awry, they go so bad. It's great. Um, Tree. Oh yeah, you'll love it. But that that will that will end episode 219. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next week. This podcast.